Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. And when I'm done reading verse 12, we'll remain standing for prayer. So please follow along as I read Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 3. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye, When men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. May God bless his word. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. And and Lord, I pray that you'd help us today to uh, understand what our Savior was communicating as He taught this precious teaching of the Beatitudes. And I pray, Father, that You'd help us to be blessed and, and, and what it means to be blessed. Help us to be blessed people so that we might bless others. And Lord, we'll give You the, the praise and the honor and the glory. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want you to um, take your Bible and turn to Psalm 144. Psalm 144. I know our text was Matthew 5. We're going to be going to Matthew 5 in a little while. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you happy? Are you happy? We want to talk about, you know, the Bible has something to say about happiness. It's, It's an important topic. The word happy has a history. And the word happy has a history in the scriptures. So we're going to look today at what God says about happiness. We're going to look at some of the words that are synonyms in scripture for happiness. And uh, we just want you to think and ask yourself, you know, are you are you happy? We We live with so many tragedies, so many negative things going on around us. And it is so easy to be sad. I think you'd agree that the opposite of happiness is sadness. And what we're going to see today, because so many people look at these two things as simply emotions. How are you feeling today? Notice I didn't say that. I'm feeling pretty sad. I'm feeling pretty happy. You know, that, that that's what we limit our understanding of happiness to. It's just, I'm feeling good. And if we're feeling good, and things are going well around us, then we can be happy. But if circumstances or people are not agreeing with us, then we're not happy. We have a, had a great example this morning, without even realizing it, but because this is in my head, um, we were bringing up prayer requests this morning. And uh, it's interesting that um, 
you know, the direction when it comes to prayer, and, and I found this for many years. Some of you know that I kind of kicked back against this, and I'm not just saying with our church, it's with me too. Is when we, we start sharing prayer requests, it can so very easily turn into a, a, a you know, a pity party. Oh, oh man, this is wrong. We need to pray for this. Oh, this is wrong. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa we're doomed. You know, and, and it's so dangerous because I think we all can fall into that trap. The devil will help us dwell on all the things that are wrong, won't he? And, uh, and folks, you have to fight against that. And so this morning we're bringing a prayer request, and, and Reuben was such a blessing to me. And you're going to think this is really weird what he was praying for. Reuben's cousin just passed away. Friday, Reuben? Friday, you said? The funeral. Okay, so, and, and, and I mean, that's depressing. Death, sickness. He had a stroke, then another stroke. He passed, you know, and then he died. Um, but you know what? Reuben's prayer request was one of the most uplifting because he, after he talked about this negative thing, and folks, negative things are all around us, his testimony was basically... I want to thank God that God gave my cousin 46, whatever, 40-some years that we got to know him. Wow. And I appreciated that because I need to be reminded of that. I'm just like you, I think, like many of God's people. You know, I tend to, when you start thinking, you know, with what's going on in our family, it is so easy to just think of the negatives. Like, this is horrible. And there are some really horrible things going on. But first of all, let's just look at, just think about it. Don't turn there yet. When Jesus shared the Beatitudes in verses 3 through 10 or 11, he said, blessed are the, and then just about every scenario he brought out, the, the first part of it, were all things that normally the world would look at as unfortunate or negatives. And then Jesus responded, you know, for example, let me just, uh, let me turn there, Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 5, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, anything to do with poor is not, that's kind of frowned upon, isn't it? Wow, they're not really strong. They're poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn. What? Who would ever come up and say, you know, people that mourn, they're so happy. And by the way, let me back up right away. There are three English words. There's, um, there's Hebrew and there's Greek. Primarily one Hebrew, one Greek word. A couple others we'll look at that are translated in the Bible as happy, but not every time. They're also translated blessed. And so in, in this, the Beatitudes, every time Jesus is saying blessed, it's the same Greek word that is translated elsewhere as happy. They are synonymous. Who would ever say, happy are they that mourn? See, we tend to think that happiness is dependent upon our circumstances, our feelings, or that everything's going right. 
And Jesus is going through this list. Blessed are the meek. Who The world looks at meekness as weakness. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. In other words, they, they have a lot of people that hurt them and do wrong. They're wronged a lot. And yet they show mercy all the time. You can't be merciful unless you have the opportunity to show mercy. Which means people do you wrong. And, and we would look at that, well, you know, how can I be happy? Everybody's wrong in me. Everybody's doing... And Jesus is saying, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And, and how's this? Blessed are they which are persecuted. What? Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you. These are like all the th- opposite things that the world would look at and say, I am so happy because everybody is against me. I am so happy because, and you name the situation, people have just hurt me left and right. I'm, just, I'm thrilled. Whoever says that. But Jesus is getting at something here because he's using this term, which again, blessed and happy are used interchangeably. So let's jump in before we get to Matthew 5 and look at it, although we just did. Um, Three things we're going to look at this morning in the next half hour. First of all, words that describe happiness. Number two, people in the scriptures that are called happy. And then third, what does it mean to be happy, or what does it not mean? So let's look. The word happy, if you go to concordance and look up alphabetically H-A-P-P-Y, happy, or happiness, you'll see that 28 times this word is used in 25 verses. So a couple verses use the word happy twice. And in fact, I think I had you turn to Psalm 144. Are you there? Look at Psalm 144. This is one of those verses that has the word happy in it twice. Psalm 144 and verse 15. Happy is that people that is in such a case. And there's a context here, but for time's sake, we're just looking at this, how this word is used. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Happy. And so let's, you know, let's talk about that. What does happy mean? The definition of happy is this. Feeling or showing a deep sense of pleasure or contentment. Uh, and then because of how we feel, the you know, a deep sense of pleasure or contentment, that's key, and it arise it from that arising expressive of such a feeling. So it's it's when you and I have this sense of contentment or pleasure. Now, that's where you think, see, it's all about how things are going on around me. And so my happiness is dependent on if everything goes right and if everybody treats me properly. But that's not what happiness is. More generally, or it goes on, sensing or relating a principally to good fortune, a person who has been favored. Now, the word fortune, we, you know, you're fortunate. We tend to look at, Oh, well, we don't believe in fortune-telling and all that. The, the history of the word fortune is another word that's synonymous with happy. It's, it's more the idea that you and I feel like we are benefactors. Wow, so much good has happened to me. And in order for us to be happy, 
genuinely happy. And that's why that word blessed is, is the same word. When you say, if someone says, hey, how are you? And, and there's a pastor, Pastor Bob Mayer, who's with the Lord now, was a pastor of Open Door Baptist Church in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. And every time I'd go out to eat with him in a restaurant, people would say, how are you? He'd always answer, I'm blessed. That's a great thing. I'm blessed. It's like he's saying, now that doesn't mean he's never had a bad day. Now, I've always asked Bob Mayer, how are you? And he would say, I'm blessed. And I'm sure that on some of those times he told me I'm blessed, there was probably somebody that was a thorn in his side. He's a pastor, you know? There was probably somebody that was giving him grief. Or there was probably some need in his life that was very concerning to him. So when I would ask him, how are you doing? And he would say, I am blessed. It is more his response to what's going on in his life that, that no matter what was going on, he could still have that sense that God has been so good to me. Didn't mean he didn't have any problems. You know, it, it meant that his, in fact, notice a word that you're going to see that comes up over and over again that is also synonymous with happiness and it's contentment. And contentment, as you know, isn't about what's going on around us. Paul said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And then he gives all the scenarios, good and the bad. And he said, I've learned to be content. We'll look at him at the end of, with an example if we can. All right, a couple other verses. Don't turn to these. But um, Genesis chapter 30 and verse 13, Leah said, in fact, you know what? Turn there real quickly. Genesis 30, I want you to go here. Because three of the English words in our Bibles, three of them come from the same root word for happiness. So you could, you could interchange all three of these words with one another. And I'll do it just to give you the idea of it. Look at Genesis chapter 30 and verse 13. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to go through it the first time. And I'm going to read these three words and the, that, are, that are translated from the Hebrew. The ones that are all the same Hebrew word, I'm going to read them all the first time with just the word happy. So you get it. Okay, ready? Genesis 30 verse 13. And Leah said, Happy am I, for the daughters will call me happy. And she called his name happy. That's what it is. All three words. Asher is the Hebrew word, which means blessed or happy. And so she was calling this son happy. And the word blessed and the word happy are root the same root word. It's all the same thing. So happy, whenever you see in your Bible the word blessed... Most often, it is a translation of that same word that could be translated happy. Now, let me do it the next way. I'm going to read the same thing, and I'm going to use the word blessed. And Leah said, blessed am I, for the daughters will call me blessed, and she shall call his name blessed. You get the idea, right? And Leah said, Asher am I. That's the Hebrew word. For the daughters will call me Asher, and she called his name Asher. Again, Asher is really just a transliteration. It's the Hebrew word for happy so the the um the hebrew word the primary hebrew word the in fact it's the only one is is asher or it's also pronounced asher o-s-h-e-r and it literally means happy one and then in in the new testament there's a couple different words 
In fact, there's a Hebrew, there's a girl's name in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2 that is actually a different word than Asher, but it also means happy. And it's the word syntyche. It's a, it's a lady's name. Uh, and, and we won't read that. That's in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2. Uh, but then there's the main word, makarios, that's the Greek word, literally means happy. Um, and so that so when you see these words, these are translation. When you see blessed, when you see happy, when you see syntyche or asher, these are all the same word. It all goes back to the same word, happy. And so when you see Jesus saying blessed, He's saying happy are these people in this situation. But obviously happiness is not dependent upon favorable situations because some of those situations were downright horrible. Persecuted, mourn. So happiness obviously is more than just things are going pretty well. So if I asked you then, I did ask you, are you happy today? Some of you, I would imagine, you interpreted it as, how are things going in your life? And if you interpret it that way, if you thought I was asking you, how are things going in your life? You probably, you might have answered a lot differently. I, I know I've heard, you know, Sometimes you ask people how they are and they're going to tell you how they are, so you better give them about 20 minutes, right? Uh, and and in, in America, I, I'm realizing now, what the, you folks from other cultures have been such a help to me, uh, but I don't always learn it until too late. Uh, for example, let me real quick, I thought of this, this this week. I was talking about my dad to the church people. They might have been from the pulpit just last week. I was asking you to pray for my dad. And I was telling you about my dad. And I said, my dad is like, he's a happy-go-lucky guy. Because that's a phrase I learned growing up. And all of a sudden I start thinking about, you know, I don't know whether the Ethiopians or the, the Liberians or um, the Spanish, Spanish folks, I'm like, they probably don't use that word happy-go-lucky. And so some of the people in our church might have been listening to that and think, happy-go-lucky. Pastor's dad is a gambler. That wins a lot. He's a gambler that wins a lot. Now, I don't know. Again, you know, I, I just, it, it's so important for us to think outside the box and for me to realize that I'm not always saying the same thing that people are understanding. So I don't know if anyone thought that my dad was a, 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 gamble, a gambler that won a lot. But the phrase happy-go-lucky, just, it just means he's a jolly fellow, okay? And that's my dad. So I want to clear that up. But the word happy again, is not equal to how are things going in your life. Because as Jesus said, as we saw in Matthew and in other situations, things can be very unfavorable and you can still have a reason to smile. In fact, um, what was it, the Marriott, no, Holiday Inn, some years back, where they needed 500 new employees and they gave instructions. They, inter- they were interviewing 5,000 people that were f- you know, filling out job applications. 5,000 potential employees. And they needed to whittle them down to 500. And what they were told, the first instruction was, in your interview, immediately eliminate someone that doesn't smile at least four times. Wow. Now, they didn't know that. But see, in our world, we tend to equate smiling with someone that's happy. It is a sign, often, of contentment. But that makes me think of um, 
I forget the, you remember the clown? No, it was a, what is it? No, no, it was, it was a, um, actually it became an opera. Uh, it was about a clown that was, you know, always happy, but he was the saddest guy in all the world. What is it? Yes, that's it. No, it sounds similar. And if I had said it, it would have been, a, but it's, it's about a clown who always makes everyone happy and he's got this smile painted on. And of course, clowns come across, at least they're supposed to, as being happy, happy-go-lucky. Uh, and yet sometimes they can be the saddest people in the world. I think of Robin Williams. I think of other people who put on a front of being, you know, very happy, but they were very, very sad. Uh, and so you may not be happy today, but you may not be happy because of what's going on around you. Maybe it's relationships, you know. If I said to you, how's your marriage? I am very happy in my marriage. I mean, my husband can't stand me and I can't stand him, but very happy. You know, is that, it doesn't make sense, does it? So I want you to think about that. I want you to ask yourself, you know, are you happy? Nathaniel Hawthorne, uh, American Back in history, he made this statement, which is very, very true. He said, happiness in this world, when it comes, comes incidentally. Now, I don't think he was a believer. He said, if you make happiness the object of pursuit, it leads us on a wild goose chase and it's never attained. How many people do you know that are, that are trying to live to make themselves happy and they're the most miserable people on the face of the earth? And what Jesus said in Matthew 5 really has something to it. In fact, turn there. Turn back to Matthew chapter 5. So words that describe happiness. There's three English words that historically have communicated happiness. I mentioned to you already, one of the words is happy. One of the words is blessed. And then another word, which isn't in our English Bible right now, is another girl's name, Felicity. You ever heard of Felicity? That is an actual word that is in the English. In fact, it was in... Tyndale's version of a verse that we might look at, um, instead of translating it uh, happy in in two places, he translated it felicity. And and that means happy. That means blessed. So those are the same words. Now again, look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. People who are called happy. Well, here's the list. People who are poor in spirit, they're happy. Why? Because they're poor in spirit? No, because theirs is the kingdom of God. This gives us an insight on where real happiness is. It's not in our circumstances. It's not in how things are going on around you. It is a result of having a perspective of blessing. Now, if you have not been blessed, or you don't think you've been blessed, you're not going to be happy. And and I want to submit to you folks that, apart from Jesus Christ... Happiness may well elude you. Because it is through Jesus Christ that we tap into the blessings of Almighty God. His grace and His mercy. But it is not based on what's going on in your life. Again, Jesus said, blessed are the meek. Now again, the world tends to look at meekness as weakness. But Jesus is saying, the meek shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. But he's, of course, he's taking everything that is circumstantial and putting it in the spiritual level. 
In other words, when you and I live for the things of this world, we are going to be sad. But when you and I live for the things of heaven, we have reason to be truly happy. And, and he goes on along those lines. Really read each one, so I want to move into the... the, the this next point has to do with um, what it means to be happy and, and people who are called happy. Um, there's a term, the term blessed... Again, uh, is a synonym for to count yourself fortunate, to be a, a benefactor. In fact, another word that is often connected with blessed and happy is the word thanks. The word contentment. Somebody that is happy tends to be very thankful because they see themselves as having been blessed. I want to read an article. I've read this before, so I'm just going to read a few statements that this guy makes, I read this years ago, Scott Dana Miller, uh, the title of the article is One Thing Christians Should Stop Saying. He says, I was on the phone with a good friend the other day. Our conversation turned to the mundane. So, how's work going, he asked. I answered my buddy's question with, definitely feeling blessed. Last year was the best year yet for my business, and it looks like this year will be just as busy. The words rolled off my tongue without a second thought. Then he goes on, he says, I've noticed a trend among Christians, myself included, and it troubles me. Our rote response to material windfalls is to call ourselves blessed, like the amen at the end of a prayer. On the surface, the phrase seems harmless, even faithful. Why wouldn't I want to give God the glory for everything I have? Isn't that the right thing to do? And then he says this, He says, as I reflected on my feeling blessed comment, two thoughts came to my mind. Number one, when I say that my material fortune is a result of God's blessing, it reduces the Almighty to some sort of sky-bound, wish-granting fairy who spends his day randomly bestowing cars and cash upon his followers. By the way, this guy then shares that he was um, in the mission field in, it was Guatemala, And he said he saw the danger of what the prosperity gospel and uh, preachers, uh, what they do. uh, How they they acquaint the blessing of God simply with material blessing and prosperity. That's why it's called the prosperity gospel. It is not the real gospel. And when they were in Guatemala, they saw that. It's it's everywhere. And, And he picks up on that. When I, again, when I say that my material fortune is a result of God's blessing, it reduces the Almighty to some sort of sky-bound, wish-granting fairy who spends his days randomly bestowing cards and cash upon his followers. And that's not, that's not God. Now, God will sometimes meet our needs. God has provided windfalls. But do we limit God to that? Too many people do. And because they don't get cars and cash, they don't have a good God in their mind. And they're, they're very sad. He goes on. Second, and more importantly, calling myself blessed because of material good fortune is just plain wrong. For starters, it can be offensive to the hundreds of millions of Christians in the world who live on less than $10 a day. And then he, he points his readers to Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus talks about people that are blessed. And then he closes with this. He says, We hijack the word blessed to make it fit neatly into our modern American ideals. 
creating a cosmic lottery where every sincere prayer buys us another scratch-off ticket. In the process, we stand the risk of alienating those we are hoping to bring to faith, and we have to stop playing that game. I say amen. That, that being blessed and being happy is not dependent on how things are going in your life right now or how your relationships are. You can be blessed even in the most difficult circumstances, with the most dif- living with the most difficult people, or experiencing the greatest tragedies. What does it mean to be happy? I want you to, we're going to go to Galatians chapter 4. It's probably the only um, text we'll get to finish with, but I want to look at Galatians chapter 4. Paul is talking about a, um, a bad relationship. It was his relationship with the Galatian believers. It had soured. It went bad. Things were not good between Paul and the Galatians because false teachers came in and undermined Paul's teaching of the sound gospel. And Paul wrote to them in verse chapter 3 and he said, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? They forsook the true gospel. And because of the influence of false teachers, Paul's ministry and even the way they viewed him changed radically. Paul was no longer a good guy. Paul was now the bad guy. In fact, he even wrote, Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And then he says this in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 15. He said, Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them unto me. Let's just look at this this verse, which I just read to you in the King James Version, which was translated from 1604 and then published in 1611. So for that time, uh, they were translating. They came up with this. But let's look at what the English version said, how it translated this verse before. John Wycliffe in 1382 was really the first person to write to to give us a complete bible in english it did not come from the original languages of greek and hebrew it actually came from latin because the latin vulgate was what everybody spoke and everybody was was especially everybody in the in the the church area believers spoke latin uh, and english was just coming in so people were starting to translate english so he translated the whole bible from Latin into English. And here's how he, tra- he translated this, this verse. Where is the blessedness you spake of? That's the key I want to look at. This word blessed. He translated it, where then is your blessing? Now Tyndale, who was the first one to, to produce the Bible from the original languages of Greek and Hebrew. So he translated it this way. This same verse. How happy were ye then? It's interesting. Same word. And then Coverdale, who followed in 1535, he used the same word. How happy then were you? Then the Bishop's Bible, which by the way, the King James Version is a revised version of the Bishop's Bible. That was their template, according to the instructions. In 1568, they translated, the, the Bishop's Bible translated, Where is then your felicity? That's an English word that meant happiness or blessed, and they used that. And then in the Geneva Bible in 1587, which was the Bible that everyone used, even the King James translators. In fact, in the preface, 
when Miles Smith writes and quotes scripture, most of the time he's quoting from the Geneva Bible in the preface to the King James. And there they translate it this way. What was then your felicity? So he's saying, what happened to the happiness that we had in our relationship? That's what he's saying. Boy, you just, you, things used to be so good between us. But not anymore. It, you know, it used to be that you would have plucked your own eyes out for me. I'd call that a devotion and love, wouldn't you? Not anymore. Paul was, you know, enemy number one. And Paul's like, what happened? He knew what happened. His ministry was undermined by false teachers. And so they began to look at him with skepticism and like, man, he's, he's off. No, he wasn't off. And it changed their relationship. Their felicity, their, their blessedness, their happiness was referring to a relationship as a good relationship. And, the, and it was used in that context. Now Paul was still happy. We're going to go to one more verse. I lied, didn't I? You can call me Steve Lyon. Okay? We're going to look at one more verse. I want you to take your Bible and go to, to um, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12. Now Paul, I submit to you that um, Paul uh, did not, this relationship that had soured did not sour Paul. He did not get bitter at ministry. He did not quit serving the Lord. He did not quit loving the Lord. And I submit to you, he did not quit smiling. You say, what chapter and verse is that? I don't know. I'm speculating. But I know he was still happy. I know he still rejoiced in the Lord. Even when he was in prison. I'd call that an unfortunate situation. He was in prison for preaching the gospel. And look what he writes in Philippians chapter 1. Again, it's one of the prison epistles. He wrote it from prison. And so, you know, if you're writing from prison, it's probably in, I've gotten a lot of letters from prison inmates over the years. And they're usually not, you know, they're usually some request. Help me get out of here or write me a letter or give, you know. Usually it's not a very happy situation. And if you're in, you're in prison for preaching the gospel, he could say, this is so unfair. Or he could say, please pray for me. This is not right. An injustice has taken place. And you need to pray that God will get me out. And I'm not going to be happy until God gets me out of this joint. That wasn't his tone. Look what he says. Verse 12, Philippians 1, verse 12. I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me, he's talking about his unfavorable circumstances, being in prison for doing right and preaching the gospel. How bad can it get? And what does Paul choose to think on? He says, the things that have happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of, of the gospel. This is another phrase that is found in a lot of the definitions and the context of the word blessed, happy, and felicity. And it's the idea of the word fortune, good fortune. And it's not talking about luck. It's talking about your circumstances. And this is what Paul's saying. Folks, this is what you and I need to do to be happy people. Stop looking at your circumstances and look at what God is doing in it. The things that have happened unto me. He could have parked right there. He could have said, I want you to know 
how much I'm suffering for Jesus' sake. I want you to know how much I've been through. But he doesn't. He says, you know what? This is amazing, he's saying. The things that have happened to me, here I am, I'm in jail, I'm in prison. You're not going to believe this. They have fallen out, rather, to the furtherance of the gospel. I've been able to preach the gospel here and there. Paul's happy in a horrible situation. Blessed are those that are persecuted for my name's sake, Jesus said. So, verse 13, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Yea, verse 14, and many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Isn't that awesome? Now, every one of us have circumstances in our life where we could really beat the drum of sadness. And we could really be sad. And if we're not careful, we will be sad. But if you and I will see what God is doing in our life, now, if you've, if you've not gotten saved, you must be born again. You must find out what the Bible says, and you must be saved so that you can claim the promises of God. You know, there's a verse that says all things work together for good. That's a reason to be happy. That's not a verse that everyone can claim. Not all things work together for good to everyone. You know, there's going to be people that will gain the whole world, and they'll lose their own soul. That's not a happy situation. And yet some of those people may be happy on the surface because they're gaining the whole world. I close with this. A study was conducted by Bernard Rimland. I have no idea he, who he is other than it was done through... The, he was the director of the Institute for Child Behavior Research. And he did a, he did a study on the golden rule. You know what the golden rule is? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And he did this study... And he found this, and I quote, he said, The happiest people are those who help each help others. Each person involved in the study, I'm just going to read from the, the report here. Each person involved in the study was asked to list ten people he knew best and to label them as happy or not happy. Then they were to go through the list again and label each one as selfish or unselfish using the following definition of selfishness. A stable tendency to devote one's time and resources to one's own interest and welfare, and unwillingness to inconvenience oneself for others. You know people like that? They found, he found that all the people, all of the people, and there were hundreds of people in this study, all the people labeled happy were also labeled unselfish. He wrote that those, quote-unquote, whose activities are devoted to bring themselves happiness are far less likely to be happy than those who efforts, whose efforts are devoted to make others happy. And then he quotes, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. So I want to ask you something. Are you happy today? In other words, are you blessed? How do you get blessed? You have a relationship with God. You get saved. You get your sins forgiven. Get into the scriptures because that's the pro- those are the promises of God. And folks, you and I have no, no better reason to be happy than to know that your name is written in the book of life and that your sins are blotted out. So no matter how bad it gets down here, you and I have eternity to look forward to where there's no more sin, no more darkness, no more pain, no more suffering with our good God.
But you and I must make sure that our sins are taken care of God's way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that despite unfavorable circumstances sometimes in our lives, that we can rejoice in the Lord always. That, Father, no matter uh, whether we are abounding or being abased, whether we are suffering need or in, in a time of plenty, that we can be content and happy. And Father, I pray that you would make us happy people. Father, forgive us if the people that know us the most, that are not born again, that have not been washed in the blood of Christ, they're not saved, they may be religious, but they've not become genuinely born again the Bible way. Forgive us if those people that know us the most like that do not see us as happy people. Father, what a rebuke to our salvation. Lord, remind us of the blessings. Sustain us through the trials. and Help us to change the definition of who we would call blessed and who we would call happy. And help us to be those that are truly content and happy. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.